0: Welcome to Exploring Boys' Education, a monthly podcast produced by the International Boys Schools Coalition. I'm your host, Bruce Collins. In each episode, we explore contemporary topics impacting boys, their educators, and boys' educational institutions. Our goal is really to provide a platform for open and honest discussion about the challenges and opportunities facing boys in today's world. We believe by working together, we can create a better future for all boys. As we near the end of season four of Exploring Boys Education and look forward to the IBSC annual conference in Auckland, New Zealand in about a month's time, I'm thrilled to highlight that close to 600 delegates from all IBSC regions will join us at Westlake Boys High School from July 5th to 8th. In addition, I'm pleased to be joined in this episode by IBSC Executive Director Tom Batty. Tom Soon you'll have been with IBSC on staff for a year, and you've done a wonderful job with our monthly newsreels on the podcast. So good, in fact, that you've been promoted from newsreader to special guest today. Um, And I'm looking really forward to speaking with you about educating boys and the importance of what it is we do as educators of and leaders in boys' schools. Um, So thank you for joining me for this conversation today.
1: No, thank, thank you, Bruce, and to be clear, you are indeed master of the mic. Uh, I, I know my position in, in this process, so no, it's great to be with you and to be with you in this slightly different context, um, but thank you. Thanks for the invitation and looking forward to it.
0: Tom, before we dive into talking about the future of boys' education, I'd love you to share... Firstly, how you became involved with the IBSC initially, and then what inspired you um, as a head of a boys' school to be part of the organisation um, in a, in a fully-fledged kind of way?
1: Thanks, Bruce. Uh, yeah, and this is important, obviously, because it's directly linked with what I'm doing at the moment. Uh, um, and I guess it goes back to when I first got involved with boys' schools because I was co-educated all the way through, and then obviously went to university and you know, being co-ed. And I started my teaching in a co-ed school in New Zealand on the Coromandel there. So um, a story I often tell, which I'll quickly go through, uh, is that um, I'd be, I was teaching at this school and I've been there a little while, and I used to play football for the local town and coach the first 11 football team, boys football team at the school. In the morning, I'd do the boys' football team, and in the afternoon, I'd play, and um, quite often, the boys from the football team would come down on the sidelines when I was playing and offer a a few words of well-chosen advice to my lack of performance or or otherwise, Uh, uh, and it was the Monday, it was a Monday, and I was teaching what would be the last year of school, maths, and... um, They were asking me about the game and I was asking them. We were talking about the game and a a girl put her hand up and said, "Uh, Mr. Batty, I said, yes, He said, could we please get back on with the lesson? And I felt absolutely terrible, absolutely terrible. And I I was convinced and convinced myself quite rightly I hadn't been doing my job properly. And about four months after that, I'd done my two years at that school, at Thames High School, and I went down and I took a job at St. Patrick's College in Wellington, my first boys' school, and it was when I was there that I looked back on that moment and I thought, well, maybe I had been doing my job properly um, for for about fifty percent of the class, because um, you know I started to real feel that boys you know, not only learn, not only develop later and more slowly than than girls, but they you know because of that probably they learn differently, and sharing story is a, is a huge part of it. So. That was my journey to boys' schools. And from that moment, other than a year tutoring university, I've worked in boys' schools. Um, And it was when I went back from the Southern Hemisphere, back to the UK, and I was working at Eton, and I was running a boarding house. And when I was told that um, I had a new chaplain, and um, I went down to meet him, this chap called Tony Jarvis, and he seemed very nice, and he was chatting to a few of the boys and I left him to it, and then he was in again, and I, I got chatting to him again, and I suddenly sort of realised, this bloke knows what he's talking about. And then I found out, of course, from him, that he'd not long since been running Roxbury Latin School, in um, in, in just outside Boston. And he started talking, he was a founding member of the IBSC, and he started talking to me about it, and I learned an awful lot, because Tony was sort of a champ, you could learn an awful lot from, and um, he was a big influence on my life. So that was my first real awareness of, of IBSC. And then I moved to Melbourne and running as head Scotch College in Melbourne, all boys' school, and kept in touch with Tony and had got to know a few other people involved with IBSC, um, not least the head of Eton at the time, Tony Little, who was obviously my boss at the time before I went to Melbourne, and got and chatting to him about it. And then I was approached, um, I put into host, the IBSC annual conference which we did in 2012 at Scotch. I really enjoyed that and from there I went on to be um, on the board and, um, and then chair the board. So that's sort of like a history of my involvement. So having, having, having become head and hosted the conference and being then involved with the board you start to wonder about, you know, what is it? What, why is it? What inspires you to, as you asked me, to continue to be part and to work with the organisation as a head? Um, and that really comes down to some basic things that drive you. you know, for me, I believe and have always believed, as I've thought about it, you know, education to be a really, really important, important thing. I believe in it. I believe in the power of um, and getting young people to take a degree of control of their own lives. I believe that that brings benefit to themselves and bring benefit for the communities they'll serve. And I also believe if they don't take control of their own lives to some degree, others will do it for them. And I don't believe that's a good thing for people. And it's not good for them and it's not good for society as a whole. Um, so I also feel that boys' schools. Offer choice to families, and an important part in the educational mix. You know, given those things, we always say boys develop different time, different rates, so that, that sort of enables boys' schools to act with intent for what we know works, what still works, or so we can keep learning works best best for boys. And so, if you think it's important, and you think there's a place for it, you want you want to do it as well as you can. Um, and I believe as a head you're sort of challenged with this, that um, your challenge ultimately is using all the levers that you have as a head, um, people, resources, uh, contacts, monies, if you have monies, all the levers you have to best impact on the level of each individual boy in your school. And as a head, to do that, you've got to keep learning. Um, you got to, you know, that's saying you've got to kick hard just to stay still. In your position. So you've got to work really hard to keep moving forward and and to keep improving things for those in your care. And I believe that we learn best when we've got um, a framework of familiarity that then we're exposed to things which are different. So we've got a reference point and some building blocks, but we've got something that drags drags us forward to To look at things that are different and I'm attracted to things that are different. And IBSC provides that. Yeah, it provides that through its professional development. It provides that importantly through collegiality as a head and what you can provide for um, staff of your school. Um, because so much of the learning, whether it be informal, whether it be um, structured in person or structured online, so much of it, connects people with people from around the globe so that they're they're bouncing what's familiar against things that are different and IBSC is a really rare gift that it can offer that and it does it superbly not least through your great works Bruce with the with the online things but it offers that really really powerfully Um, it advocates of course for boys schools which is important to be able to to talk about why we have them what they do well and what they provide in terms of choice and the, and the advancement for best learning for boys. And I also strongly believe, and it's linked to those earlier points, that um, it's important in education, particularly not to be insular, to feel part of something bigger than oneself. Because if, if you don't feel that, we tend to retreat into, into our own immediacy, and you know you start to believe your own press if you're not careful, so you' got you gotta have something bigger than your own school, bigger than your own community um and it's from that I think that you learn best and you can best progress things and i b s c offers that on a global sense all those things i all those things I've mentioned
0: so Tom I think maybe we can dive right in and I know our schools are are wrestling with the opportunities and responsibilities that exist for boys um, in the 21st century and beyond. And so maybe we can start there about how boys' schools can best prepare boys for those opportunities and the responsibilities that will rest on their shoulders in the 21st century. What are your thoughts on on that?
1: Yeah, important, Bruce. And, uh, and, and my mind goes backwards before it goes forward. So I focus, first of all, on what I think um, is the purpose of education. And I see it as twofold, essentially. Uh, one is it's there to inculcate a culture in young people of participation. And to do that, it looks to look at all the accumulated knowledge from the past all the skills and to pass those on to to the next generation so that we can develop in each generation um skills a sense of purpose a desire to participate and uh and the ability to for young people to take control of their own lives and contribute to a greater good and, and that's i believe that's always been the case and it's it's very very important that culture of participation um and society building. But there is another side, and, and that is you need societies to keep advancing. Um, and to keep advancing, you need to inculcate in young people um, an adapt to build an adaptability to complexity and to variety because you need them to be able to be prepared for what they can't quite see, for what, what lies over, over the horizon. Um and so it's, it's education have to do a bit of both. It's a bit of participation, but also advancement. There's a lovely, lovely quote that I I often come back to um out of um, one of my favourite novels as a as a young lad, uh, The Day of the Triffids by John Wyndham, in which you know that they're, they're folk they're set up and they're they're barricaded by electric fences from these triffids trying to try get at them. And this chap says if we focus solely on the skills we need to make a living, without allowing time for thought, then knowledge stagnates and people with it. So you can't just do the first bit; you got to do the second bit. And so, when I when I look at the 21st century skills, and you know, as people say, and what we're going to need to equip boys with, it, we're going to continue. To, to, to do both, need both, but increasingly it's going to be that latter.
0: Tom, as you and I have spoken about education in the past and I've heard you in conversation with others too, you often refer to this term a broad liberal education for boys and I'd like us in a moment to dive into what the benefits are of of a broad liberal education for boys. But just for clarity's sake, um, for our listeners who are from different parts of the world, what do you mean um, when you use that term, a broad liberal education for boys?
1: Those things I said before about participation and advancement, it's my view that they're best achieved um, with boys by finding them interests that grow to passions and then honing mastery in them. So find them something they like doing and then get them good at it. Um, because what the, if you can find, as I used to always say at the school I was involved in, if you can find for each child, each boy a peg on which to hang his hat, what he's really learning is the world has many pegs for his many hats. And so what you're trying to do is to get boys interested in things and good at them so that being interested and working hard to get good at things become habit-forming. And that's how you present. And to me, interested people become interesting people and interesting to others and interesting in the workplace and advancement. So I don't think it matters too, too much what it is that a boy gets interested in and good at. It's finding something for him. So when I use and when I think of a broad liberal education, you know, I mean one that's focused on the growth of the whole boy um, across a broad canvas. So it's one that's steeped in those, as I said, it's steeped in providing opportunity for boys to be able to explore um, and find things they like, and it's populated its teachers. Um, that come into such an education are those that have themselves interests and passions and they have themselves mastery within certain areas and so that they can use those to to offer to the the boys and to help guide them to find it in themselves, that that feeling in themselves of, of the confidence that comes from enjoying something, being passionate about it and getting Good. Not necessarily obviously you're not going to be the best or hold on, someone might be, but you're generally just trying to get good at it and feel good in a present. So you've got something you can contribute. You've got something that you can offer. I often I often um, use the, the image of a of education being a three headed dragon. And one head is what we teach. And it's got, generally got the name curriculum you know another head has got the got the name um assessment and qualification and those two sort of get on and then the third head third head which is oft forgotten is is how we teach and how we how we go about each other and the human side of it rather than the um process side of it and i'm much more interested in that bit and i always have been and i think that uh, in my view a broad Liberal education plays on that third head of the uh, third head of the dragon. The other bits are se- important, but secondary to it. It believes that if you get that bit right, if you get the environment, the environment right, the human side of it, um, then the other bits follow. Not the other way around.
0: I think so much of what you share resonates with my experience um, teaching in in a boys' school here in South Africa, Tom of. What I always loved was it it just seemed to me that every boy who was in that space had an opportunity to find their niche but also to be celebrated for for that niche um, and there was a There was a sense of freedom for those boys to explore what that was, particularly in in their younger years and and maybe as they grew older they would some of them would sort of um, specialize, but uh, other boys would continue to be involved in a whole host of things that just added so much value not only to their own lives, but I think to their peers, to the world out there. So many had a had a had a vision or, or or their eyes open to the need in the world and wanted wanted to pursue um you know that as well, which you know, it was a beautiful, beautiful thing.
1: I think that's right, Bruce. I think that's dead right. Because sorry to go, because something you touch on there is um The way you were speaking had a sense of timelessness about it. And that's important in it too. Um, If you can remove some of the obsession with content and testing, then and and replace it with confidence, which is what our, our broad legal education does, then you create more time. You create time that's so important for boys you know boys just you know they need that time to develop they need that time to explore they need that time to get stuff wrong uh, and to come round they, they really do and so to, exactly as you put it you know it can take a, it can take a whole journey for, for for the development but if you're continually hitting it with test content test failure measure then then you 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 don't you don't get the magic
0: Tom, you spoke about confidence now again. What are some of the benefits for boys over and above confidence of a broad liberal education? What what is in it for boys?
1: Well, the big one is the one we just sort of touched on, I think, Bruce, and that is um, time and space. I think that, you know, it's something that a number of people, Richard Reeves makes the point very clearly and a number of people have said it, that... uh, that for whatever reasons, on average, boys and girls develop at different times and at different rates. Um, Boys, on average, generally later and slower. Um, And so having more time and creating more space for them to explore themselves and um, what they're interested in and more time to hone... The, the, the enjoyment in getting good at things, the better it is for them. It suits them. Boys, again, all these things for whatever reasons, but boys have that thing. That they need to feel respected and valued if they're going to have the confidence to take a step. You know, we have to have to know them and value them and and be interested in them. That uh, Michael Rikert, lovely, lovely turn of phrase. You've got to reach them before you can teach them. Um, And I I, I really strongly believe that that's true, that um, they need to feel of worth and they have a desire to contribute, to contribute to something bigger than themselves. But they need to feel of worth to do that. They need to feel a sense of purpose. And um, they also, um, they need to be able to feel that they can access and have a degree of success with those things that we tell them are important. And if the things that we're continually telling them are important, you know, a sh- uh, short term and and things that they, they can't quite access and they can't get success on because it's happening qu- more quickly than they would like or their minds are on other things, then they'll tune ch- out. They'll just, not for me, tune um, out. And I think that, so again, those, those points enable that space, they create that intimacy uh, of relationship with, with, mainly with teachers and other people involved in their
0: education. Tom, earlier when you were sharing about what you mean by a broad liberal education, you spoke about boys being interested in things and becoming skilled in, in those things. How, how can we encourage boys to be interested, skilled and involved in learning and society?
1: It's having people around them, as I said earlier, that themselves have interests, they um, have mastery, but they also have relational capacity. They have the capacity to form learning relationships of intimacy with boys. So they have that, that skill, that skill to build relationships, to maintain relationships, Repair relationships when they go wrong. Um, they know how to work um, with reciprocity. They know how to build trust and take time. Um, if, if we if we do these things, if then then we take take boys on on this journey of of finding what works for them, um, rather than trying to put a, a cookie cutter on them. That says, "Are oh, you're this? You're one of that. This is what you best learn at this age. So that's what you're going to best learn. Um, it, it's it's that intimacy that to create. That you know this is this is why i feel that if you get boarding right in a school, it's absolutely brilliant because you have that intimacy. I and mean, if you get it wrong, it's a disaster. But if you get it right, it, it speaks to the best, the best in education." for boys.
0: It's funny, as you were sharing, Tom, I I remember starting what some people thought was a joke at the time, but we had many clubs and societies at the school where I was at, and some boys approached me because they knew of my passion for coffee, and they asked if we could establish what they branded the Caffeine Club. And so we started a a club or a society that essentially people thought was about drinking coffee, but it was actually about diving into the science of coffee and getting really interested in it and upskilling some of them in terms of their coffee-making abilities or whatever. But just what you mentioned there really struck me. In the process of of being involved in that society, the Caffeine Club, the number of really significant relationships that were built – not only between the boys themselves, but between me and other staff who were involved and those boys and the opportunity we had to to guide them into a deeper understanding of who they were through something which seemed pretty meaningless, but the fact that there was a freedom to have that as a society at the school was it, it turned into um It's a really wonderful opportunity for growth and for learning and and some boys picked up skills and went on to be baristas while they were studying at university or whatever it was. You know, there's a that's that's the essence for me of of, you know, if you have that freedom in a space, you can you can really tap into what boys are interested in. Well, Bruce, you can scrap my (laughs) podcast
1: and just tell that story because uh uh uh, that that is that is it in an essence it really is and and the place in that that we haven't touched on which is so important of boy voice of their voice and and their and their sense that they are part of it it's not just you running the coffee club they're running it as well Uh, and it's their thing it's their niche thing that, that that they have with you and and through that um they're learning so much. I mean, the bit, again, it's so easy to forget that they are observing all the time. And so when you you have your coffee, coffee club that you formed, um, they want to know why it's different and why it's you and how you relate to that difference. And they're watching to see how you treat this young person, this boy who comes into the coffee club, how do you treat him? Um and not just how you treat him, but how does how you treat him compare with how other teachers treat him when he's naughty or or does something funny. No, that 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 that's what they're really learning. And then you and with that you bring in a bit of purpose, like you said, and the science of coffee. Like I said, you you know, you got it there. (laughs) Just do that.
0: Interestingly, we were on a call with um women leaders in boys' schools for a wonderful program that uh, Laurie Hamilton Durbin facilitated. But something that, something that stuck out for me in that conversation, we were speaking about, or the group was speaking about, the culture of a school and how you foster a wonderful culture in the school. And the response from the panel was overwhelmingly that recruitment was so important that the people you have in a space are so important in terms of creating the culture. So as we've spoken about all these ways we can, we can develop boys and help them to understand their place in the world, if we consider the people we have in schools, the, the teachers, those who are on the coalface and busy with boys on a, on a daily basis, what are, the, what are the qualities of a good teacher for boys?
1: They've got to have their own interests and, and, and passions. Now, one of those you want to be their subject area. You know, you you want them to be passionate about their subject area because um, boys will see that and they'll respond to that. They'll observe it, and you know, even if they if there are other things that don't go well, they'll like the fact that the person is passionate about because they it shows that the teacher has found their thing, has found that something that is that they feel they can carry with them and contribute with. And boys want to see that. They want to see What is it about me that I can develop, that I can take forward and contribute to society and be part of things bigger than myself, solve problems and help build things better? They want to see it. So when they see it in other people, they like it. They like seeing it. And they like to see that mastery, that someone's good at it. They love it. They love it when they're really good at it and, and, and that side of it. They need somebody who takes time to know them they want to know you're along the journey with them even and, and especially when they get it wrong especially when they get it wrong you know they, they, they want to be they, i remember saying to a young lad they want to hear messages like you know you you can't do that and there's consequence for it I, you know I, and you're sitting there with their parents as you say it maybe you know i well hopefully you are, that, you know, we, we, the school loves you and we all we love you, but you just can't do that and we're not going to put up with it. They they need to know you're with them on the journey. You've got to value their interests. Um, most of all, and we used to have this, you know, question when we interviewed staff coming in, because as you say, you know, your staff is so important. We go through it and there was one question that we always asked, which was what's the most important thing a teacher does? We asked it. We asked it to everybody, and you get some, you know, great answers. And and of course, you sit there thinking. And I, I, I suspect that the most important thing a teacher in a boys' school does is care. Uh, if they really, really care, boys know that. And and to, to the broader point, you know, that that was raised quite rightly in that brilliant, conf, uh, brilliant event uh, with women in leadership. It is so important because. You leave us for bringing about improvement, I feel, in a school or, a, or any organisation. essentially simply a cultural, structural, and your are physical environment. And they all feed off each other, but the key to it is the cultural one. Um, you know, you've got to then develop your structures, how you're going to do it, and then your environment to support it and make it and maximise the strengths of it. Um, but, yeah, yeah, you're people and... And how you lead and how your leaders speak to them. You know, that old trick of speaking, boys. boys like this actually, speaking to boys, to them as individuals and to them as a group, as if they are the people that they would like to be and you would like them to be, rather than always... You've got to do this to get there. You've got to do that. You're not doing this. Speak to them uh, as if they are those
0: people. So, Tom, as we sort of come to the end of this conversation, it feels like we're coming full circle. We started with some of the challenges and opportunities of the 21st century. In what you're seeing and as you speak to leaders in boys' schools around the world, what... What are some of the future trends in your mind in in boys' education?
1: Yeah, Bruce, I I am optimistic, but I believe that boys' schools are really well suited for what's coming our way. I really, really do. Um, I think that rising technology, growth of artificial intelligence will play on the strengths of of a liberal education, um, the it's going to become increasingly important that we develop young people, boys um, who are adaptable, complexity, variety, who um, see their part in uh, a bigger contribution to community. Um, that we work with the. Uh, on that side that leans to humanity, and I think that boys' schools are really well placed to that. That um, that what we do and what we're trying to do is is going to is going to equip them to um, be able to investigate things. We know boys like to dismantle things and um, pick them, find out how they work. We know they like to solve problems. Um, we know they like to be part of, of, of making a difference and bring about improvement, and all these things are going to play to that blending of economic enterprise and social enterprise, and how the two things increasingly uh, are going to be one. Um, they like their autonomy, uh, and I, I, I really. Strongly feel that we're coming into a, an age, a time where where boys' schools really are going to are going to equip and play a part um, in the changes that are already upon us and, and will continue at a reasonable fair lick, I suspect, in the coming years. So optimistic, I, I, I think it's it, it's it's good times, um, and, and it's how we build. It's how we build. Yeah, uh, good people and it, real ways we build good people you, because it takes time. Re- it really does, um, not just a a, t- a, a semester course on being a good person. I mean, it takes time. Okay.
0: Well, Tom, thanks so much for for sharing your insights. It's been wonderful to spend this time this time with you. Hey, Bruce, not at all. Always oh, good to chat. I, I did also want to mention that. Um, Registration for our annual conference remains open until the 29th of June. So that gives people lots of time to, to still register and get to New Zealand. I'm sure you're looking just as forward to that as I am.
1: Very, very much. As a, as a, as a New Zealander as well, um, if, if, if you're tottering on the brink, Get down there. It's a uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful country, uh, lovely, lovely people, and David David Ferguson at Westlake and his team are doing a great job, and it's going to be a magnificent conference steeped in in good practice for boys' schools, steeped in Māori culture. Uh, it, it's going to be a, a special event. So if you have any way at all, you, you have the means and, and together, then I would uh, get down to Aotearoa and um, be part, of, be part of it.